Welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. As a community of faith, we are passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus. Even when we don't see it, God is working. And that's certainly been the story of the book of Acts, is how we've seen God working behind the scenes, working things out for His good and for His glory through the life of the Apostle Paul. And today, that's where we're going to be. And so I want to encourage you, take your Bibles if you've got one. Later on, I'm going to be reading a passage that I'm going to need you to take your Bible and follow along with me. But we're going to be in Acts chapter 28 today as we come to the final sermon of our series through the book of Acts, Church on the Move. What a journey it's been. It's been incredible. And I'm excited to share with you this final message. Not excited because it's the final message, but excited to share with you the truths of the word that God has showed me this week. And so I hope that you've already gone there. Acts chapter 28. hope that you're on the chat as well well and encouraging one another that way. But let's uh, calm our hearts and get ready now to hear from the Word of God. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I really don't enjoy a lot about life is I don't enjoy um, I don't enjoy cliffhangers. You know what I'm talking about? Cliffhangers in a movie or, or in a book. I'm the kind of person who likes closure. I like to uh, have things kind of come to a conclusion. And so when things are uh, leave me on edge, whether it's a movie, you know, the last 20 minutes, sometimes maybe you've watched a movie in the last 20 minutes, you're like, man, they are not going to wrap this up. They're not going to give us any closure. That kind of bugs me. If I'm reading a book and it just sort of alludes to the fact that there's going to be another book or another movie, you know, sequels coming, or or they just sort of leave out some details about the character that you're like, man, I really wish that they had brought that to a closure for me. I'm that kind of person. I like to have things just, man, happy ending, off into the sunset. I love that kind of, I love that kind of movie and that kind of book. But while I'm not a particular fan of cliffhangers or of things that leave a lot of unanswered questions, one of the interesting things that I do like about it. So I I don't generally like it. But one thing I do like when a movie just sort of randomly ends, you know, and you're like, oh, it's over. Uh, What I do like is it gives me an opportunity myself and in my mind even to just sort of come up with what the ending would have looked like. Maybe even do a little bit of character building of my own and, and, and thinking like, man, I wonder what actually happened. I wonder how it finished all out and, and kind of coming up with my own endings. Now, when we come to Acts chapter 28, I don't know that Luke was planning to leave us on a cliffhanger. I don't know if he meant to uh, maybe frustrate uh, some of us, but the fact is, is that when we come to these final verses of the book of Acts, that is exactly what we have. We find ourselves with a cliffhanger. We find ourselves with an incomplete ending that honestly leaves a few more questions than answers. And so as we begin our message today, I want us to realize, though, that while it's going to seem, in a few minutes here, it's going to seem like we're just sort of left hanging, it's, it's, uh, uh, there's a lot of unanswered questions, the fact is, is that that is the point. And I want you to get that. I mean, if you write anything down today, write down, that's the point. Put that in the chat. This is the point. The point uh, that Luke is so trying to get across to us is that this is not the end. Acts chapter 28 is not the end of the gospel message. It is not the end of the church on the move. And that's the wonderful thing about it. Remember Luke. I mean, Luke detailed so clearly for us the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus. uh, And he also detailed so clearly for us the spread of the gospel. But the point he's trying to make to us at the very end today is that there is no ending. This movement does not end. Rather, we today are continuing the story of the gospel. We now, 2,000 years later, are people who are writing and still writing the story of God's grace and God's life-changing power to this world. And though Luke chose to walk away from the continuing story of the Apostle Paul here at this moment, he's doing us a great service because he ends the book by making Jesus 
the one who's in the spotlight. It's not about Paul. It's all about Jesus and his continuing work. If you were to sort of simplify Luke's message here, we would see it this way, that the book is finished, but the mission that Jesus assigned to the church is not finished. You can even boil it down a little bit simpler and just simply say this, the story does not end here. The story of God's redemptive grace does not end here in Acts chapter number 28. And so what that means is that whether you're a Christian or were a Christian 2,000 years ago or 500 years ago, or you're a Christian today, we have been able and been blessed to enter into the story of God's grace and of his gospel going forth to the nations. And so what I want us to get is that we are the ones who get to participate in the final story of the book of Acts. We get to join the drama of spreading the good news to the nations. So today we're going to walk through the final verses of Acts chapter 28, and we're going to begin with already knowing the end. So just, you, I, I wanted to tell you that up front, because uh, nobody likes to go into a movie not knowing it's not going to have a conclusion. And so I'm telling you right now, it's going to feel a little bit like there's some things that have been left out. But what I want us to do today is simply to point our hearts to Christ together, who is the hero of the book, and of course, we're going to pick up, though, with the Apostle Paul in his final days of travel. If you remember last week, we ended with him making that 225-kilometer journey north from the south of Italy up to Rome after being shipwrecked and all of the situations that had happened here. And so what we do is we see him going on the Apian Way, and he's finally there, and he finally arrives in Rome. But he's not arriving in Rome as maybe he hoped to arrive. I don't know that he arrived in Rome as he had maybe envisioned it. I think certainly Paul had envisioned that he would arrive in Rome as, you know, a missionary pastor, as uh, somebody there bringing the, the gospel to them. But instead, what we find is him arriving as a prisoner of the Roman Empire. Still, God had promised to him he was going to testify of him in Rome. And I'm sure by this point, Paul had conceded to the Lord and said, Lord, if this is the way that you want to do it, I'm okay with it. But now we see him arriving, and we see in Acts chapter 28 and verse number 16, a very powerful phrase right at the beginning of our passage this morning, where it says in verse number 16, and when we came to Rome, and when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners uh, to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. Now you say, what's so powerful with that first phrase? Think about it for a moment. When we came to Rome, when we finally got to Rome, think about all of the emotion that's wrapped up in just that phrase for the Apostle Paul, who had longed to be there, who had been promised by God that he was going to get there, and now finally they've arrived. I mean, think about the flood of emotions as he walked into the city and thinking, finally, we have arrived, we've arrived. Well, he, of course, didn't arrive and immediately go to all of the uh, uh, places that, you know, a normal tourist would go to. What we see is him being turned over from Julius the centurion who traveled with him all this time, and he turns him over to the captain of the guard right there. The other prisoners went on into different prisons, but what we see here is Paul then being taken and dwelling by himself with a, with a soldier that kept him. Now, this is just really interesting to me. Rather than being thrown in prison, I don't know if Julius had something to do with this decision. If he said, hey, this is a good guy. He's innocent. Let's uh, treat him the best we can. But either way, they rent Paul a house and a prisoner then, or uh, a soldier then goes with him and basically stays beside him. Later on, we'll see that he's actually chained to this guard. 24-7, uh, he's chained to a guard. But Paul finally arrives in Rome and he is a prisoner. Now, this is where we see Paul get back to the basics again. The thing about Paul, no matter where he was, no matter the challenges he was in, he got back to the path 
that God had called him to when he formally began his ministry all the way back uh, earlier in the book of Acts. And what we see here is Paul continuing to remind us that no matter the situation, no matter the challenges, he lived his life to bring glory to God. And we see that as we come into these final verses together today, as we see the apostle Paul unveil three final truths about his character, three final thoughts about who he was and what his focus was. And through the points that I'm going to bring out to you today, what we're going to notice is evidence of God's grace in his life, as well as the continued forward motion of the gospel. And so we'll begin today in verse number 17 with our first point, which is this. We see how Paul cared for his testimony. Write that down. Even in his final uh, moments here in the book of Acts, Paul cared about his testimony. Verse number 17, and it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together And when they were come together, he said unto them, men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. He's relating his story there. Then we come to verse number 19. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained, meaning I had no choice uh, but to appeal unto Caesar. Uh, Not that I ought to accuse my nation of. He said, I didn't come to Rome to accuse uh, Jerusalem or Israel. He said, but for this cause, therefore, have I called you, uh, called for you to see you and to speak with you because that for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. So three days after Paul arrives in Rome, he invites the Jewish leaders to come and to meet with him. Now, we know some 10 years earlier, there had been a great exodus of Jews as Caesar had basically pushed them out. Uh, Emperor Claudius, sorry, had pushed them out, but now there was a change of leadership, and apparently Jews had returned to the city, and uh, of course there would have been some leaders there, those that would have led the synagogue there in Rome, and Paul calls them to him, and he begins to meet with him. Now, to me, I find this so interesting, how calm and how simple Paul's address to them was. Did you notice that? He wasn't angry. I mean, if it was you or me, it would have been like, you guys, I'm here because of the Jews back in Jerusalem, you know, and they're treating me bad. And, and we would have maybe been a little bit angry and frustrated in the way that we responded. But Paul here was just so simple. He was so calm. He did not attack the Jews there in Rome. Uh, he didn't even complain about the ones back in the Sanhedrin. He simply wanted them to know this one thing. He wanted them to know that I'm innocent of anything that you might have heard about me. He says, I want you to know that the truth is, is that uh, there's nothing at all that I'm worthy of death. And the Jews back in Jerusalem, they wanted me dead. But even the Romans found me uh, innocent. But I had to ask. I had to uh, basically ask to be transferred to Rome because there was no other options for me. Now, to me, what I see here is there's such a great picture of God's grace in his life. Think about it. I mean, if it were me, and, and I like to put myself in his uh, sandals and his shoes, you know, while we've been going through this, but the, the fact is that if it were you or me, I don't know that I would want to see any more Jews, to be honest with you. The way that he had been treated by them, mistreated over and over and over again, every single time he reached out to them, but yet we see him still taking the gospel to the Jews first. To me, that is such a perfect example of the forgiving grace of God in the life of the, of, of the Apostle Paul, that he would reach out to those that had tried to do so much harm to him and so much harm to the gospel. I mean, I think of Jesus, as he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do as they crucified him. Paul said, you know what? I'm still gonna reach out to these Jewish uh, believers because I, or these Jewish uh, uh, friends or family or whatever, not his friends and family, but just the Jews that were in Rome, uh, and that he was just reaching out to them and just saying, hey, I, I want to still share the truth of the Messiah with you. And I got to tell you, church, that same grace that Paul is experiencing is the same grace that you can experience as well. 
You know, sometimes we get discouraged and we think, well, what's the point of witnessing and what's the point of reaching out to those that have already rejected us? What's the point of uh, putting things out there on social media that present Christ, even though I know someone's going to have negative comments on it? What's the point of all this? Listen, God's grace is enough for you to continue in those circumstances, just like for Paul. He, he, they were maybe the last people he wanted to see. He knew that he might have been headed for trouble just by putting himself out there and letting the Jews know that he was there, but yet he still did it anyway. And one of the reasons he, he did it and reached out to them is because he wanted them to know the truth, of course, but he also wanted to clear up why he was under Roman guard. <laughs> he wanted to clear, uh, clear up for them because to the Jews, that would have seemed suspicious that he was, under, uh, uh, that he was imprisoned by the Romans. And uh, to them, that would have been concerning, but Paul wanted to make sure that his testimony was clear because he says in verse number 20, if you saw that, he said he was bound for the hope of Israel. Now, that was really interesting to me. He said, I want you to know that I'm innocent, but the reason that I'm bound is because of the hope of Israel. Well, what is the hope of Israel? Well, the hope of Israel was, of course, the Messiah. Jesus, who came and uh, gave of his life and was resurrected, he was the promised one, the one prophesied that came and proved himself to be the Messiah. And Paul says, I am bound. I am, I am bound today because of that, that your Jewish brethren rejected me because I preached the Messiah. And I want you to know that I'm innocent of any wrongdoing, but I am bound today because I'm bringing you the truth of the Messiah. I am telling you about the fact that the Messiah did come. And he wanted to make sure, Paul did, that the gospel was seen in the best way possible. He cared about his testimony. He wanted to make sure that he was seen in the right way. So he defended his personal situation so that the gospel would not be diminished or that the gospel would not be dismissed. If he was there uh, under uh, imprisonment by Rome because of some terrible thing he had done, he would not have a testimony. He realized that. And so he cleared it up for them because he wanted to make sure that they would listen and hear the gospel. He cared about his personal testimony so that Christ could be magnified. Now I want to just sit on that thought for a minute. Is your life, is your testimony, your personal testimony to others such that it does not hinder the gospel of Jesus Christ in any way at all? I think sometimes we don't often step back enough and stop to consider uh, the effect that our personal testimony has on the name and the cause of Christ. But the fact is, it really does make a difference. And what we see here, Paul is Paul clearing things up so that he could have a clear testimony. And, and the truth is, church, that sometimes we need to clear things up in our life. We need to clean up our testimony. We need to make things right with people. We need to maybe clean up our social media feed and, and other things. We need to clean some things up so that we can portray Christ in the best possible light, so we can magnify him in our lives and in the way that we live our lives today. I think it's something that for all of us as Christians, we need to step back and realize and remember that we carry the same message of hope that Paul did. He carried the message of hope of the Messiah. We carry the message of hope of a Savior to our world. And we have to guard our testimony. We must be careful about it. We must watch to make sure that the way we present ourselves to others or the way that we respond in certain situations is not something that would bring a detriment to the cause of Christ, but it would only magnify and lift up the name of Christ, even in your own life personally. If you remember, there were several times that the Apostle Paul said that he was right and he had a clear conscience before God and before men. You know, sometimes there are people and Christians, especially who have a good testimony before men, meaning, uh, you know, it looks like their life is okay and it looks like everything's figured out and they post verses at the right time and they share the City Baptist live stream at the right time and they do all of these things and it seems like everything is right, but the fact is they are not right with God either. And I want to encourage you today, listen, your testimony, your effectiveness for the gospel uh, being used of Christ. We know the gospel can exceed all of us, but the fact that God can use us in a unique way, our testimony is very important. And so I want to encourage you with that this morning. Be like Paul. Paul made sure that his testimony was right. 
He defended his situation so that he could share Christ in the best possible way. Well, they responded uniquely to him in verse number 21. It says, and they said unto him, Acts 28, 21, we neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee, but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. First concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Now, this is really interesting. So Paul says all this, he defends himself, and then they're like, hey, we actually haven't heard about you at all. <laughs> we didn't get any letters. We don't know why you're here. Um, but they said, since you're here and since you're talking about it, we want to learn about this sect. Remember, the way or Christians was still considered a Jewish sect. And they said, we've only heard negative things. So we're going to give you an opportunity now to speak speak about those things. They didn't know about the Sanhedrin's anger. They didn't know about the high priest punching Paul in the face. They didn't know any of those things. They just said, while you're here though, we want to go ahead and find out uh, what it is that you're talking about. And so Paul has an opportunity here to share the gospel and to share his faith. And guess what? He does not miss out on it because secondly, today we see Paul was committed to preach Christ. He cared greatly about his testimony but he was also committed to preach Jesus Christ. Look, verse number 23. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning until evening. Now, this is so great. So Paul and these Jewish leaders, they all get together and they have this meeting. It says that many of them came to his house. Now, he already said, I'm chained up. And so he had a, 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 a guard that was chained to him. And so they still came though, and they filled up his house. I'm sure they did. And they came, it says that many of them came and they all crammed in this place, the soldier there. And then it says that he expounded and then testified the kingdom of God. Did you see that? He expounded and he testified and he persuaded them about Jesus. Jesus from the law and from the prophets and from his personal testimony. And it says that he did it from morning until night. Now we know Paul has preached all night before. This is his first time preaching all day. And I mean, you guys complain about the length of messages sometimes. I'm kidding. Last week we preached short and everybody was like, yay, pastor, I got a whole bunch of texts about that. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, we're like, oh, it's, you know, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever it is. Uh, man, he preached all day long. What does that tell us? That means that Paul didn't just like like say, oh, hey, you know, uh, gave him a real simple presentation or just sort of, you know, say, hey, I just want you to know what I kind of feel or what I believe. Here's a few thoughts about it. No, it says that he, uh, that he really got into the word. He would have showed them the prophecies fulfilled uh, in Jesus. He would have testified of the miracles that Jesus did. He would have told about his own conversion story and Christ appearing to him. He would have talked about, of course, Christ's crucifixion and him rising from the dead. And I also know that Paul would have given them an opportunity to accept the Lord as their Savior. I definitely know that. Well, look how they responded in verse number 24. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. Some believed, and some didn't believe. Man, so interesting in, to me how the gospel always divides, doesn't it? And the gospel divides. The gospel is a confrontational truth. And when people are confronted with the gospel, there's really only two options for it. You either accept it or you reject it. And as wonderful as it is when someone does accept Christ, it's saddening and discouraging and difficult when people reject him. But here's a great reminder for us. And the reminder is that it is God who does the saving. You know, sometimes we look at Paul and we say, if anyone could convince somebody by his message, it would be Paul. But yet we see here people rejecting the message that Paul was giving to them. It's because saving, salvation, is the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's heart. 
And while we want to present the truth to all men equally, it is the person, the individual, who then must make the decision of whether or not they will surrender and trust and turn in faith to Jesus Christ themselves. And so he preached the gospel and some believed and some did not. But look uh, there at verse number 25 again, it says, and when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Esaias, the prophet unto our father. I'm gonna stop right here just for a second. So they didn't agree. Some believed, some didn't. They left. And then they specially left after Paul said this. This is what Paul said. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Esaias, that's Isaiah, the prophet unto our fathers. Look what he said in verse 26 saying, go unto this people and say, hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is wax gross and their ears are full of hearing and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should uh, heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. Verse 29, and when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. Now, Paul does something here that's, that uh, Jesus did um, on two other occasions. And here's what he did. He brought up Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, and he used it as a proof text uh, and as a proof of prophecy being fulfilled when the Jews rejected the Messiah. Now, Jesus did it twice. Paul did it here. And that's why we see them all leaving after he said this, because he's trying to point out to these Jews that, listen, you are the ones that were prophesied about in Isaiah, that you would reject the true Messiah. Now, they didn't want to believe that Jesus was the Messiah still, but he's saying, listen, you are the ones that was prophesied all about. And so he, he shares that with them. He bring, that's a great study. If you go to Isaiah chapter 6, you guys can go and uh, maybe take some time to dig into that passage yourself. But Paul, Paul here uh, tells them about that. They rejected the truth. And then he tells them there at the end that salvation of God is also for the Gentiles. If you remember, that was a real uh, trigger for the Jews. And so he says that to them. And then they began to leave after that marathon of a day of preaching. But I want to return to our point here just for a moment, which the thought, of course, is that Paul was committed to preaching the gospel. And I want to return to that just for a moment because uh, Paul here was, was, I mean, committed to really preaching the gospel. Like I mentioned earlier, this is not just like a little like, you know, three-point outline or a little thought that he gave. I mean, he expounded. To expound means to present and then to explain. And so he knew the scriptures in such a way that he could present it to them and he could explain the truth to them, meaning he was a student of the word. He studied the word. He knew how to connect the dots from the Old Testament to the fulfillment in Christ. And yes, I want to remind you, his life was still not fair. His circumstances were still not good. He was still chained to a guard at this moment, but yet he still made his life about knowing the word and about lifting up Jesus Christ. Here's what I want to encourage you with today. If you're looking for some focus for your life right now, if you're looking for some focus for 2021, we're all starting to think about New Year's resolutions, right? And our main resolution is don't repeat 2020. That's our main resolution. But we're looking for some New Year's resolutions. If there's one thing that you could lock into and get, it would be Paul's passion here for preaching the gospel. And that is knowing the word and lifting up Christ. If you want to get your life back on track, if you want to get things where you need to be, you need to know the word and to focus and lift up Jesus Christ. And I got to tell you, I, I recognize and you recognize to do that is not a popular decision. Making a decision to lift up Christ in your life and to know the word and to share the word and to preach the gospel is not something that's going to gain you any more followers on your social media. That is for certain. But the one thing that it will do is help you to be more like Christ. 
It'll give you focus. It'll give you a determined uh, direction to head into. And Paul was committed to preaching Christ. And it wasn't just because he didn't know anything else. Paul preached Christ because he knew the power of the gospel. And our last point today was because he was confident in the gospel. See, Paul preached Christ, whether it was in a storm, whether it was in a mob, whether it was in a prison. And the reason was because he was motivated by the fact that the gospel changes lives. And he was confident in that. And I want you to see that in verse number 30 and verse number 31 in our final two verses here of Acts chapter 28. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house. He had to pay for it. Uh, Others helped him, of course, pay for it. And it says that, and we received all, that's key. Anyone who came to him, he received them. And look at verse 31, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. There's the key right there. With all confidence, no man forbidding him. Take note of that phrase there, with all confidence. Maybe type it into the chat, with all confidence. Get that in your, get that in your mind. He had a great confidence in the gospel. This tells us here that Paul waited, of course, for two years for a trial that actually never came. Roman law stated that your accusers had to bring a case within two years, and so apparently they never did that. But during his time, his two years there under house arrest, chained to a guard, we still see him having a great confidence in the power of the gospel. Even though he couldn't go out and do things, and he couldn't go and travel around and visit churches and plant new churches, he still, and had, he still believed in the gospel, and he had a great confidence in that. It's that same confidence that he had in, gospel, in the gospel that led him to write what we know today as the books of Colossians, Philemon, Ephesians, and Philippians, all very, very important letters that have shaped our Christian faith for the past uh, 2,000 years. Philippians especially gives us some clues as to what was happening during his imprisonment. Did you know that Philippians tells us that during those two years, Paul began to reach some of those Roman guards? He actually wrote in Philippians and he said uh, that, that he was giving them a greeting from Caesar's household, meaning maybe he even got into uh, the, I mean, the upper echelon of people there in Rome and he shared the gospel with them and he made a difference and he cared for people and he had the confidence that Christ would be enough for them. And so even though he was chained, he still had confidence to boldly preach Christ, firmly believing in the power of his word. You know, if you were to go through history and to look back at stories of people who have accomplished great things, one uniting um, characteristic about them that you would discover is that those kind of people are people who have great confidence that what they are developing, the technology they are building, the truth that, uh, that they have developed or whatever they're writing about, they have an extreme confidence that it has the power to make a difference. And it's those people that actually do make a difference because they persevere and they continue on. Same thing in church history. Those that have made a great difference for the cause of Christ are people that had an incredible faith and a confidence that what God was doing was something that could change the world and that he could use them in a powerful way. And so Paul here had the confidence. So even though he was chained up, he was still writing letters. He would receive anyone who would come. He would preach the gospel to anyone at all. And he was able to live uh, and abandon really his own agenda and abandon his own comfort in total abandon for the cause of Jesus Christ. And he did it with great confidence. And the confidence was in the gospel. Listen, how is your confidence in the gospel today? Are you confident that the same grace that changed you can change somebody else? Man, living your life as a believer in total confidence is something that can radically transform the way that you focus your life and the direction that you go in. And so Paul here had a great confidence, a great confidence in the gospel. And it is revealed in the way that he lived his life in these last two verses with we, that we have here. But with that, 
the book of Acts comes to a conclusion. Just like that. Just like that, it ends. And this is where I struggle a bit. Because it feels a little bit incomplete, doesn't it? It feels like, okay, something's missing. What is, you know, did Paul's like pen run out of ink or something? Or, you know, what happened here? Run out of paper? Why did Luke stop here at this point? Why did he stop the life of Paul? Because what we know is that Paul's life did continue after this, actually. From early church historians and early church writers, we know that Paul was, in fact, released after those two years of imprisonment there. We also believe that then at that point, he spent another four years on missionary journeys as well. During that time, he wrote 1 Timothy and the book of Titus as well. Eventually, though, we know he was arrested. He was brought back to Rome. And this time, it was not the same kind of situation as Nero was looking to make some examples of religious leaders. And so he was cast into a prison called the Mamertine Prison. I've seen it there in Rome. It was a terrible place. And what we know from Scripture is that he was chained to a wall. Uh, He was there uh, in this prison for a time, and it was there that he wrote 2 Timothy. At the end of the book of 2 Timothy, and I'll have you turn there with me right now, at the end of 2 Timothy, it reveals to us some of the conditions and the situation that he was in, the difficulties that he was in, but it also reveals to us the heart of Paul. And so I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read several verses to you here just to kind of give us an idea because this is the last known writing of Paul, and he is writing it while in the Mamertine prison this after his second arrest, just months before his death. And I want to read this to you because I just feel it's so powerful for us to see together. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 6, he says this, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Now he's speaking to Timothy. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Wait, Luke was there. Why isn't he writing more about this? (laughs) This is what he says. Only Luke is with me. Then he says this. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent uh, to Ephesus. This, look at verse 13, the cloak that I left in Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood, withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I don't know if you noticed there some of those little details. Did you notice how many people had forsaken him? How many people had done the apostle harm during this time? He even said at the end that when he stood uh, to give an answer, everyone forsook him, meaning even the believers in Rome would not stand by him as he stood to give an answer before Nero. It says that uh, we know he said, bring the coat, bring my cloak, meaning talking about the prison, it would have been cold and damp and bad conditions. He says, bring a coat, please. He had no other resources or ways to even be warm or to be comfortable there in prison. And he says to bring Mark, who's profitable. That's a great story all, all in itself. And he's, he's sharing all of these things, but he also shares with his heart where he says that I'm ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand, meaning he knew it was coming soon. 
He knew the end of his life was coming soon. And sure enough, in AD 67, Nero beheaded the Apostle Paul after many months of imprisonment. I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 8, where Paul said, We are confident, I say, and willing to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And Paul that day experienced what he had talked about. The thing that he had talked about so much and talked about Christ and talked about heaven and talked about being reunited with his Savior came to be that day as he was beheaded and martyred for the cause of Jesus Christ. And you know what? In heaven that day, Jesus welcomed that war-torn apostle to his heavenly home. Church for us today, really the big idea that I want us to get is this. You know, until we ourselves get to see the king in person, we need to follow Paul's model of offering ourselves as a service to the kingdom. When he says, I'm ready to be offered, this idea of being poured out, completely emptied out for the cause of Christ. We need to be willing to follow his model of offering ourselves in service to the king, to keep fighting, to keep running the race, to keep telling others uh, of the gospel. And I promise you this, when you see Jesus Christ with your own eyes, you will not ever regret serving him faithfully until your dying breath. You know, as blood-bought Christians, we will one day be in the presence of our glorified Christ forevermore, and we will be with the saints from every tribe and every tongue, including those like the Apostle Paul who gave up their life for the sake of his name. When we get to heaven one day, we know that we will be gathered with a multitude of the redeemed. And when we gather with that multitude of the redeemed, we'll be singing praises to the one who is worthy of our adoration. And we look forward to that day, and I cannot wait to that day to get to heaven, but until that time, until that moment comes, we are the ones who are continuing to write the story of Acts. Until that wonderful day that we are reunited with our Savior in heaven and we begin to meet with those saints that have gone before us, we must continue to be the church on the move. We must be the ones who continue to carry what Paul uh, illustrated for us and what Paul did with his life. And we are the ones who are to be uh, offered up and to pour out our lives and to empty of ourselves for the cause of Jesus Christ, not for our own glory, but for the glory of God. And because of one thing and the one thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what we are called to. That is what we are led to do as believers. We are to pour ourselves out as an offering for the Lord Jesus Christ. My question for us today is, are you willing to be the one writing this next chapter? Are you the one who's going to write the story of God's saving grace to this world? Are you the one who's going to write the, the paragraph that details the transformation of the gospel in your life and how he has radically changed you and given you hope and given you purpose and giving, uh, giving you freedom from the chains that have bound you, that have held you back for so long, are you going to be the one to write the next story, or are you going to let somebody else do it? The story of Acts and the point of Acts 28 is that it's a continuing story that we get to be a part of. If you aren't part of that story, if you're not one of the ones helping to write the next chapter of God's grace to our city of Vancouver, I wonder what is stopping you? What is stopping you from living for Christ? If there's something that's keeping you from, from following him and something that is keeping you from truly living for him as you should, would you confess it and would you get it right with him today? Would you, uh, Christian, maybe, maybe you need to look at your testimony a little bit. Maybe you need to step back a bit and, and even look at your social media feeds and look at the, the relationships that you have around you and say, you know what, is this a life that reflects Christ? Am I able to share the gospel without accusation? 
See, the thing is, is often we may have an opportunity to share Christ, but that person will say, well, yeah, but I saw you did this, you did this. Is it possible for us to clear up our testimony? It most definitely is through the grace of God and with his direction. And I want to encourage you with that thought as well about our testimony. But are you committed in the transformational power of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, we've got to be committed to that message. We've got to be confident that the gospel that changed us can change others also. Or you may be like, and I want to bring this up because I think it's important, but you may be like some of those Jews who walked away unbelieving. It may be that you're watching here today and you've heard of the gospel of Christ. You know the gospel. You can maybe even repeat it to somebody, but you've never placed your own personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You've never taken that step, that actionable step of faith in him. Can I encourage you to do that today? Don't put it off any longer. Don't uh, walk away from it again. Please reach out to us. You can do that in the chat. There's a link that says Jesus. If you click on that, there's some more information. You can reach out to us in the chat. You can reach out to one of the hosts and say, I'd like to pray. I'd like to talk with you about that. And if you do that right now, I mean, that would be a huge blessing. And man, that would be the best decision you could ever make. But Christian today, how are you doing at writing the next chapter? Or have you sort of put your pen away? Have you removed the papers? Have you removed the opportunity for you to write the next story? The book of Acts is a story that ends as far as the life of Paul goes, but it's continuing. That story goes on and it goes on through the life of believers. We hope that today's message was a help and encouragement to you in your walk with God. To stay connected with us, give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will grow and bless you as you pursue His will for your life.